This episode is certified grim for scary scenes, highly taboo subject matter, and one instance of offensive language and may not be suitable for all listeners. Hello there, and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a Brothers Grimm tale. My name is Matthew Hughes, and with me on this journey is my co-host, Mr. Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading. Little Red Riding Hood. So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a Grim Reading. Once upon a time, there was a dear little girl who was loved by everyone who looked at her, but most of all by her grandmother, and there was nothing that she would not have given to the child. Once, she gave her a little cap of red velvet, which suited her so well that she would never wear anything else, so she was always called Little Red Cap. Ooh. Clothes as well, right? She didn't just wear the hat. God, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> Never wear anything else. <laughs> Just running around. The little red hat. On. This hat is so good. Wow. Oh, thanks for ruining little red riding hood, Adam. <laughs> You're welcome. Now, one day, her mother said to her, Come, little red cap, here is a piece of cake and a bottle of wine. Take them to your grandmother. She is ill and weak, and they will do her good. Set out before it gets hot, and when you're going, walk nicely and quietly, and do not run off the path you may fall and break the bottle, and then your grandmother will get nothing. And when you go into her room, don't forget to say good morning, and don't peep into every corner before you do it. I will take great care, said Little Red Cap to her mother. <laughs> She's like, wait, 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 let me get paper and pen. This is too much. <laughs> That's a lot of information, Mum. <laughs> the grandmother lived out in the wood, half a league from the village. And just as Little Red Cap entered the wood, a wolf met her. Red Cap did not know what a wicked creature he was and was not at all afraid of him. Good day, little Redcap, said he. Thank you kindly, Wolf. Where do you go so early, little Redcap? To my grandmother's. What have you got in your apron? Cake and wine. Yesterday was baking day, so poor sick grandmother is to have something good to make her stronger. Ah, Where does your grandmother live, little Redcap? A good quarter of a league farther on in the wood. Her house stands under the three large oak trees, the nut trees are just below. You surely must know it, replied Little Red Cap. This wolf sure asks a lot of questions. Stranger mm. danger. She's too trusting. Well, indeed. The wolf thought to himself, What a tender young creature. What a nice plump mouthful. She will be better to eat than the old woman. I must act craftily so as to catch both. Oh. So he walked on for a short time by the side of Little Red Cap, and then he said, See, little red cap, how pretty the flowers are about here. Why do you not look around? I believe, too, that you do not hear how sweetly the little birds are singing. You walk gravely along as if you were going to school, while everything else out here in the wood is merry. Little red cap raised her eyes, because she's just like been looking at the floor, all yeah. glum. And when she saw the sunbeams dancing here and there through the trees, and pretty flowers growing everywhere, she thought, Suppose I take grandmother a fresh nosegay. That would please her too. It's so early in the day that I shall still get there in good time. And so she ran from the path into the wood to look for flowers. Forgetting exactly what her mother told her not to do. Should have written it down. Absolutely should have done. Oh. 
but well, it's too late now. She's gone off the path. It's golden now. It's golden now. It's, <laughs> it's, it's going to look the woods. incredible on her social feeds. Bluebells growing in the woods. Oh, amazing. It's going to make a wonderful bouquet for Granny. Yeah, a nosegay. Yeah, nosegay. I think that's like a bouquet of flowers, basically. Oh, right. What a nosegay. Oh, interesting. New word for you. It is. Well, she's gone off the path. To look for flowers, and whenever she had picked one, she fancied that she saw a still prettier one farther on and ran after it, and so got deeper and deeper into the wood. Oh dear. Meanwhile, the wolf ran straight to the grandmother's house and knocked at the door. Who's there? Um, little Redcap, replied the wolf. She's bringing cake and wine. Open the door. Whoa, big mistake. Use the third person. <laughs> Not it's ideal. Like, oh, I meant to say it's me. <laughs> she, I, oh. I, I'm here with cake. Oh. <laughs> well, he's fooled the grandmother. Oh, no. Lift the latch, called out the grandmother. I'm too weak and cannot get up. The wolf lifted the latch. The door flew open and without saying a word, he went straight to the grandmother's bed and devoured her. Whoa, he acts quick. Then... He put on her clothes, dressed himself in her cap, laid himself in bed and drew the curtains. Little Redcap, however, had been running about picking flowers, and when she had gathered so many that she could carry no more, she remembered her grandmother and set out on her way to her. She was surprised to find the cottage door standing open, and when she went into the room, she had such a strange feeling that she said to herself, Oh dear, how uneasy I feel today, and other times I like being with grandmother so much. She called out, Good morning. But she received no answer. So she went to the bed and drew back the curtains. There lay her grandmother with her cap pulled far over her face and looking very strange. Oh, grandmother, she said. What big ears you have. Uh, The better to hear you with, my child, was the reply. But grandmother, what big eyes you have, she said. The better to see you with, my dear. But, Grandmother, what large hands you have. Or the better to hug you with. Oh, but, Grandmother, what a terrible big mouth you have. (laughs) The better to eat you with. No. And scarcely had the wolf said this, than with one bound he was out of bed and swallowed up red cap. Whole? Whole. One go. Eaten. Is that a very small child or a massive wolf? Bit of both. Interesting. When the wolf had appeased his appetite, he lay down again in the bed, fell asleep and began to snore very loud. Didn't undress first? No, no. Still in in grandma's clothes. He's enjoying the (laughs) the nightgown. This is actually quite comfortable. Pink looks good on me. It's pink. In my head it's pink. Is it pink in your head? And floral. Of course. Yeah. And frilly. Yeah. Yeah. He looks great. Well... So he's done it. He's eaten the little girl and the grandmother, Adam. Story over, right? Wow. You'd think. You would think. But the hunter was just then passing the house while the wolf was snoring. The hunter. The hunter. Yep. And he thought to himself, oh, hell, the old woman is snoring. I must see if she wants anything. (laughs) That's not not how snoring works. I heard you snoring, dear. (laughs) Do you want anything? (laughs) Do you want me to, like, stop you snoring? Because it's insufferable. So he went into the room, and when he came to the bed, he saw that the wolf was lying in it. Oh, do I find you here, you old sinner? said he. I have long sought you. Then, just as he was going to fire at him, 
It occurred to him that the wolf might have devoured the grandmother and that she might still be saved, so he did not fire, but took a pair of scissors and began to cut open the stomach of the sleeping wolf. Didn't wake up. When he had made two snips, he saw the little red cap shining. And then he made two more snips, and the little girl sprang out, crying, Oh, how frightened I've been! How dark it is inside the wolf! And after that, the aged grandmother came out alive also, but scarcely able to breathe. Red Cap, however, quickly fetched great stones with which they filled the wolf's body. And when he awoke, he wanted to run away, but the stones were so heavy that he fell down at once and fell dead. <gasps> then all three were delighted. The hunter... <laughs> Yay! <laughs> the hunter drew off the wolf's skin and went home with it. The grandmother ate the cake and drank the wine which Redcap had brought and revived. But Redcap thought to herself, As long as I live, I will never by myself leave the path to run into the wood when my mother has forbidden me to do so. It is also related that once when Redcap was again taking cakes to old grandmother, another wolf spoke to her and tried to entice her from the path. Adam, we're not done here. What? Matt. Story continues. No way. Redcap's off to Granny's again, Adam. What? Another wolf's come and tried to entice her from the path. What? Okay. This is huge news. <laughs> huge news. For me once, right? Well, well let, let's see if, she, if she's learned how to deal with a wolf. This is so exciting. Well, Redcap, however, was on her guard and went straight forward on her way and told her grandmother that she'd met a wolf. And that he had said good morning to her, but with such a... <laughs> he said good morning and everything. Oh, Grant, I met someone who said good morning to me. Oh, the filthy animal. But he'd said it with such a wicked look in his eyes that if they had not been on a public road, she was certain he would have eaten her up. Well, said the grandmother, we will shut the door that he may not come in. Soon afterwards, the wolf knocked and cried, Open the door, grandmother. I am Little Redcap, and I'm fetching you some cakes. Dope. Done always it again. Do, always Done overtake Redcap and then say that. Um, it just doesn't work otherwise. Yeah, slight flaw in the plan there. <laughs> but they did not speak or open the door, so the greybeard stole twice or thrice round the house and at last jumped on the roof, intending to wait until Redcap went home in the evening and then to steal after her and devour her in the darkness. But the grandmother saw what was in his thoughts. In front of the house was a great stone trough, so she said to the child, Take the pail, Redcap. I made some sausages yesterday, so carry the water in which I boiled them to the trough. Redcap carried until the great trough was quite full. Of sausage water? Then, well, then the smell of the sausages reached the wolf on the roof, and he, he sniffed, he's like, oh, smells good, yeah. and he peeped down, and at last... He stretched his neck so far that he could no longer keep his footing and began to slip. <laughs> what does that look like? It's like, oh. <laughs> and he slipped down from the roof straight into the great trough and drowned. But Redcap went joyously home and never did anything to harm anyone. The end.
Little Red Riding Hood Red or Riding Hood. Little Red Cap. Yeah. You picked up on that, did you? The Red Cap, Red Riding Hood. Oh, thing. definitely. Mm. So the story is still called Little Red Riding Hood? Or is it not? Uh, well. D- does it make sense to start with a name? Hey, well, does it make sense to start at Pronunciation Corner? Hey! hey. <laughs> Little Red Riding Hood and Little Red Cap. Okay, so, mm. full disclosure, in our book, the story's called Little Red Cap. But, okay. I'd say more famously, this story is known as Little Red Riding Hood. Definitely. So, uh, we're very fortunate that over in uh, uh, Pronunciation Corner... Uh, we have our German language consultant, Lisa Marie, who helps yeah. us with pronunciation of German words. Does a sterling job. So, in German, this story is called... Rotkäppchen. Oh. Rotkäppchen. 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 Okay. Red, little red cap. Little red cap, indeed. Uh, but I got um, chatting with Lisa Marie, so I, I said to her, we've got these two versions of the name. We've got Little Red Cap and Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah. Which of those best corresponds with the German title? Uh, my impression was that Little Red Cap fit best. So Lisa Marie said, um, you are right. Little Red Cap would be closer to the German translation. A riding hood would indicate that she is wearing a red cloak, which is how she's been portrayed in Germany. Mm. But that would translate to something like uh, Ruth Mentelien. Okay. So if it were Little Red Riding Hood, that was probably what it would be called. Whereas uh, Kapien, like Ruth Kapien, could be seen as a smaller version of a cap, which is the direct translation of the English word cap. Uh, and it's still used in Germany to refer to either baseball caps or just general headwear. Okay. So Rotkapien would be close to Little Red Cap. Okay. So that makes you think, well, where does Red Riding Hood come from? Now, I believe, Adam, to the best of my knowledge, that when this story came over to England, riding cloaks, sort of capes, were in fashion. They were fashionable for upper-class ladies. And so in illustrations of the story, yes, Little Red Cap was depicted wearing a cloak, and it kind of stuck. That's how I've seen her depicted. And it's how Lisa Marie says she's depicted yeah, as well. So with a hooded cape. Even in Germany, that I guess that got re-exported back to Germany, wow. that imagery to match the story, yeah. even though it kind of doesn't actually match what she's called. No. At least in German. Yeah. So I thought, let's go with Little Red Riding Hood, because that's how it's better known. That's how it's ended up being known. Yeah. I guess even if Little Red Cap is closer to the original German. Yeah. Um. I'm so used to the image of her in a hooded cloak. Yeah. I can't picture what a red, what a red cap looks I know. Like. It would literally just be like a little red hat I mean, it on ha- a little girl. It has unfortunate connotations in today's world, red caps, doesn't it? Does it? Think American politics. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's a MAGA cap. <laughs> <laughs> Please stop ruining the story. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, well, it's a nice uh, early foray into uh, pronunciation corner. Thank there. you Love so that. much, Lisa Marie, and yeah, fascinating. Was that the story you were expecting? Because this is a massively famous it one. It is. It is. So it hit 
a lot of familiar plot points for me, but it also departed. The biggest example being that sort of second act, if you will. Yes. Didn't know that. Never heard of that before. I thought it ended mm-hmm. with the hunter freeing the the grandma and okay. riding it. So you did know that. Coming into this, I so so for any new listeners out there, how grim reading works is uh, neither of us have read these stories before. Adam and our patrons pick the stories we're about to read, and then I go away and kind of look into it all. But only then do you do that. So I mean, we pick them based on the title alone. And so when I went to read this, I remembered the whole you know a grandmother, what big ears you have. I, but classic. I, so we had that. But I didn't remember the huntsman or anything i really genuinely didn't know how it would end right i had forgotten it but as soon as you mentioned the huntsman Mm. it reminded me Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i mean one thing i wanted to mention i might as well mention it now since we're talking about the huntsman Mm -hmm. is this the only grim's tale we've read this far yeah that references a gun no is it not no because I feel like you've made that comment before. We've oh, had no. other guns. I'm repeating myself. What other guns have we had? What other guns have we had? <laughs> <laughs> You're really in a MAGA frame what? of mind tonight, aren't you? What um, other guns have we had? What other guns have we had? We've had, uh, we've had quite a few guns, I we've think. We've not had any oh, guns. We've had so many guns. No, we haven't. Yeah. We've had a gun. Oh, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> you've no oh, idea. We definitely have had guns. Where have we had guns? We had a gun in uh, the Golden Bird fairly recently. Oh, that's yeah. true. So we had a gun there. That is true, actually. That went without comment. You didn't mention mention it then. Okay, point taken. Yeah. It's not the only reference to gun. It still stood out to me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, it's because it's like, he did not fire. He didn't fire. I thought, hmm, Grandma might still be alive. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to go snip snip. Um, yeah. Okay, so talking about what, what I was... Uh, expecting what I'm familiar with, what I'm not. Yeah. I, I'm almost certain I know the answer to this. I believe the answer is, Adam, you're very confused. Somewhere deep in my mind, I thought at some point in the story, yeah. the wolf wore the red riding hood. Whoa. Okay. That's, that never happened, did it? No, that did. Well, that didn't happen <laughs> here. That's coming. That's might have happened elsewhere. Okay. This story has been taken and played with and stretched and reimagined in so many different ways. Yeah. So you may have seen something Some in your version. childhood. Yeah, yeah. possibly. Exactly. Yeah. I've just got so many thoughts. They all just want to come out, Matt, but... Tumble them out. Okay. Wolf with stones in his belly. We've had that before. Yes, we have. Yes. Yes, we have. Wolf and the seven little kids. Well remembered. Quite a long time ago we Very had that. Very long time ago. So that was uh, episode seven of Grim Reading. That's going Goodness back me. ages. The Wolf and the Seven Little Kids. Yeah. And that story ended the same with a mummy goat and all her little goat kids sewing up stones inside the wolf. Yeah. Right? So wolves are very good at swallowing uh, like things whole. And, and sleeping through sort of <laughs> like open major surgery. surgery. Yeah. <laughs> The details, in terms of what I remember, the details of going through the woods, looking at the flowers, all of that, didn't remember any of that. I didn't, had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, my memory is mainly of reaching the house and the wolf being uh, mm. in the bed and saying, and then she says, you know, yeah. my, my, what, what big ears you have, all the better yeah. to hear you with oh it's great that. isn't it so it's great uh, that was really nice because i felt like oh yeah. that's going to be one of those things that's not really in the 
original yeah. story, but it was. It so that really was cool. is. Yeah, that it cool. really is. And then we've got the second wolf. So yeah. Didn't know that at all. Sausage water. Why? What's the ploy? Sausage water? I didn't think we'd be talking about sausage water, <laughs> although I'd have to say the smell of sausages. So, and he cranes his neck like... Like out yeah, like, over the building, trying to smell the sausage water, like something out of a cartoon. Yeah. And he just falls down and drowns in the sausage water. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, a deli- like, uh-huh. it's a delicious death. Um, God, that's so disgusting. <laughs> that was fabulous. Yeah. I loved it. Did you? Yeah. Okay. I'm really glad. Me too. I think it's pretty good, isn't it? That is, it's like a classic fairy tale, but it's also not like any other fairy tale. Right? Agreed. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, you don't have a king and a prince no. and a princess or whatever. A girl, her grandma and a wolf. That's all you need. And But it's still, as you say, it has that fairy tale quality. Yeah. I mean, and it, and it should do because it's one of the most famous yeah. fairy tales of all time. Now, I had put myself in your shoes, Adam. And I thought, Mr. Literal thinking. Mm-hmm. With that cap on, Mr. Literal thinking head. <laughs> Thank the you story, for using my full title. <laughs> the story might... You know, there's a few problems perhaps there because why would you send your kid into a wood with wolves? Mm. If you're going to do that, why don't you warn her that it can talk as well? That there are talking True. wolves who are going to try and sort you out. True. And how would you mistake a big hairy wolf in a nighty for your grandmother? I mean, all good points. See, I thought these were the kind of stumbling blocks you wouldn't be able to get past, but I, I feel like maybe... over-familiarity with the story has helped me mm. gloss over that, but you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah. She clearly has a mother who takes really, you know, is really um, conscious of her daughter's safety, right? Yeah. She gives her all these instructions. You're right. Why would she omit from that list of instructions the most yeah. important things? And... In terms of the wolf in the clothing, I mean, yeah, it confused me because it said, mm. like, the cap was pulled down really far, so you couldn't really see. Mm-hmm. Well, if it's that far, how do you see his his eyes, her eyes? I don't know what to... And hands, all the better to hug you with. You don't hug with your hands. That's <laughs> awful. Oh, here he is. He's back. Yeah, yeah, Mr. yeah. Mr. Literal's back. <laughs> back on it. <laughs> So, Adam, where does this story come from? Germany. Well, that's true. But, you know, where did Germany come from? (laughs) (laughs) Now you're asking. Please don't answer my rhetorical questions. I'm sorry. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, where, you know, where did this come from, Adam? You know, what's even going on here? What is this? Adam, it's time for the story of the story. Oh, I like this. The story of the story. Quick disclaimer before you begin. I don't actually know what I'm talking about here. Oh, dear. So this is all just my understanding, what I've gleaned. And there does appear to be a lot of academic debate around some of this as well. So please don't take my word as gospel. Okay. This is just what I've understood. The story I've just read us all was likely shared with the Brothers Grimm by a certain Marie Hassenflug. Friend of the podcast. Between 1811 and 1812. 
Yes, she has come up quite a lot, Marie. She has. Uh, she was a young lady who came from a wealthy family, the Hassenflugs, who were of French Huguenot descent and who lived locally to the Brothers Grimm. Marie and her two sisters are the sources for many, many of the Brothers Grimm stories. Marie, on her own, was the source of several other massive stories, Adam. The Girl Without Hands. Mm, amazing. She gave us The Robber Bridegroom. Oh, fantastic. And also Sleeping Beauty and Snow White. That is a legacy that's difficult to argue with. And she's like driving our series finales as well. Oh, big time. These are the three series finales. <laughs> it's all thanks to Marie Hasenflug. <laughs> Massive shout out. Yeah, big, big shout out to Marie if you're listening. <laughs> so that, yeah, that's where the Grimm's got the, the story from. Marie related it to them around 1811, 1812. But this isn't the start of Little Red Riding Hood on the page. Uh, so like recorded written versions mm-hmm. of this story, they date back a little further. About 115 years prior, over the border in France, a certain Charles Perrault, Mm-hmm. wrote the story Le Petit Chaperon Rouge. The Little Red Chaperone. The Little Red Chaperone. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the earliest recorded version of the story we have, first published in 1697. Uh, and, and speaking of which here, you might be thinking, Chaperon, is that a riding hood? Is that maybe where... Oh, I hadn't even from. thought about that. I was thinking of a chaperone. I know. Well, this is where Pronunciation Corner was going to be. You really jumped the gun there. Oh, I did. Oh, no. <laughs> no, but it's okay because it's not a riding hood. Okay. I do believe, yeah, as I said, that comes from the depictions uh, over here in England. Yep. But it's also not a cap. It's not a little cap. According to the Fashion History Timeline website, a chaperone is a turban-like headdress worn during the Middle Ages in Western Europe. And I've got a picture to show you. I'm so confused. I think you're going to enjoy. Oh, yeah. Whoa! That's what? a chaperon. That's that's a look, that is. I like this fella on the right. Is that a type of chaperon? Apparently, yeah. That's a fancy chaperon, that it's, is. So it's described as basically sort of turban-like. It's yeah. a kind of big scarf, big, big scarf wrapped around your head. Yeah. Well, that is very different to the the cloak. So that's two out of the three I can picture now. I can picture the Excellent. chaperon. I can picture yep. the riding hood. Still not sure about the little red cap. Ah, oh, okay. I'm going to have to find you some mm. imagery of a little red cap. Mm. Okay. Uh, so does that all make sense? Perrault wrote a version of Little Red Riding Hood. It does make sense. So, so the Grimm's weren't the first to put this into print. Indeed. Now, a uh, little sidebar here. While Perrault is usually touted as the earliest written account of Red Riding Hood... Some people are very excited about a rediscovered poem from Belgium written by Egbert of Liege in the 11th century. And some have argued that this is a precursor to Little Red Riding Hood. But the main literature I've read suggests that the, the sort of starting blocks of the story are Perrault. Right. So yeah, we're just going to ignore that. And maybe I'll tell you more in Grim Fables, our patron-only podcast. Now, uh, a little on Charles Perrault. We know Charles Perrault, don't we? Oh, we know him very well. well friend of the podcast. <laughs> another friend of the podcast. <laughs> We've got so many friends. A little reminder of Charles Perrault. He was a court aristocrat, a favourite of Louis XIV, King of France. Uh, so sort of think like lavish Versailles. And in this world, Perrault was a prolific writer and his fairy tales were hugely influential 
He took stories from the oral folktale tradition and he worked them up, added morals and like fitted them out as appropriate entertainment and lessons for upper class children. Right. That makes sense. I've forgotten about the moral aspect. That's interesting. Well, shall we hear Charles Perrault's version and his morals? Yeah. As in like a summed up version. Yeah. A quick version. Absolutely. Okay, excellent. Well, just to warn you, this first literary version, Charles Perrault's Little Red Riding Hood, has a few shocking key differences to the Grimm's one. Le Petit Chaperon Rouge. So at the start of the story, it's related that the, uh, the grandmother made a pretty little red hood that uh, suited her granddaughter so much that she was always called Le Petit Chaperon Rouge. Now, one day, the mum said, Darling, I, uh, I hear grandmother's sick. I've made some biscuits, take her a few, and some butter. The girl went out, met the wolf in the forest en route, uh, and it's explained that the wolf didn't eat her there because he didn't dare when there were some woodcutters around close by in the forest. Uh, So instead he has a chat, and the wolf says, Where where are you off to? She says, I'm taking uh, butter and biscuits to my nans. The wolf says, All right, I'll visit her too. You take this path here, and I'll take that path there, and we'll see who gets there first. Oh, he's made it into a race. race. That's smart. He ran down the short path, so he knows what he's he doing. Whereas Little Red Riding Hood, she took her time on the long path, gathering nuts and flowers and chasing butterflies and such like. So the wolf got there first. Then it's the same as the Grimm's. He got in the house, devoured grandmother, got in her nightgown, and then jumped into bed waiting for the girl. Yeah. So Red Riding Hood arrived, knocked on the door. Uh, she said, it's me, Little Red Riding Hood. Wolf said, come in, put your gifts down. And uh, come get in bed with me. Oh. Uh, so Little Red Riding Hood undresses oh, and climbs into bed and uh, gets a surprise when she sees how her grandmother looks. What big arms you have, grandmother. The better to hug you with, my child, etc. What big eyes you have, grandmother. The better to see you with, my child. And then, what big teeth you have, grandmother. The better to eat you. And upon saying these words, the wicked wolf threw himself upon Little Red Riding Hood and ate her up. The end. It just ends with her dying. And Perrault added his moral at the end. And it's a rhyming moral. Oh. The best kind of moral. Young children, as this tale will show, and mainly pretty girls with charm, do wrong and often come to harm in letting those they do not know stay talking to them when they meet. And if they don't do as they ought, it's no surprise that some are caught by wolves who take them off to eat. I call them wolves, but you will find that some are not the savage kind. Not howling, ravening, or raging, their manners seem instead engaging. They're softly spoken and discreet. Young ladies whom they talk to on the street, they follow to their homes through the hall and upstairs to their rooms. When they're there, they're not as friendly as they might appear. These are the most dangerous wolves of all. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's Perrault's version. That's the earliest written Red Riding Hood. That moral has so much good advice and (laughs) so much awfulness all in one thing. It's almost like saying it's the quiet ones you want to watch out for. Mm -hmm. But it's also saying pretty girls in particular need to take extra care and all of this. Yeah. It's on the one hand terrible, but on the other hand... I mean, you could you, you can very clearly see what it's trying to say. Well, that's it's it. it's not talking about real wolves, is it? Yeah. That's it. What it's doing is it's, it's saying 
girls look out for yourself yeah from the wolves the metaphorical wolves predatory men predatory men yeah yeah it's quite a sophisticated bit of advice in that sense mm-hmm. of it's not a violent man that's going to attack you in the street it's the yeah. one that appears charming and nice yeah yeah but I behind see closed doors it's absolutely but it's still like it's a little bit patronizing bit of advice it's, you know, it's a lot of things mixed no, up. No, absolutely. Um, and well, I also read um, one interpretation is it could also be a warning against seduction. Right. Because if you think Charles Perrault's book is aimed at upper class children in the court. Right. If you're the patriarch of a family trying to better your family, trying to marry off your daughter or whatever, the last thing you want is some sort of raffish Lothario seducing your daughter yeah yeah so that's another interpretation it's like don't fall for that charming guy that i mean that's an interpretation i've read yeah yeah sure but also i, I think you know it's very clearly saying be beware as well yeah so for the grims it's about disobedience in general yeah it's like you know do what your parents tell you otherwise bad things happen don't stray off the path yeah, yeah. whereas for perot it's literally a, a warning to young girls much darker ending and we've got, there's a few other differences as well. Uh, Little Red Riding Hood undresses and gets into bed. I, what is, <laughs> what, what is all that about? Kind of related to the moral there, I guess. Yeah, um, but she thought it was her grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Just, what? hello dear. <laughs> Get undressed, hop in. What is You that? won't be needing those. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so wrong. It's so wrong. It's all shades of wrong. <laughs> Uh, we, we've got the going down the separate paths as well. That wasn't in the Grimm's one. Yeah. Crucial difference. She dies. Yeah. No, no uh, huntsman coming come to save her. No, no. Dead. And I think actually, yeah. thinking about it re- like super literally, yeah, yeah, yeah. the facial feature that's identified on this story is teeth rather yep. than mouth. With mouth swallowed whole, with the teeth one can assume... Not swallowed whole, chewed up and bitten up into pieces. Oh, boy. Do you see what I'm gaining at? I fully expected the Grimm's one to say what big teeth you have. Mm. To me, that's the famous line. Yeah. Not what a big mouth you have. Because you're like, (laughs) (laughs) what's your language? But also, as well, it's got that, oh, grandmother, what big eyes you have, what big arms you have. So it's been there from the beginning. Indeed. Yeah. This version of the story was incredibly famous and never really went out of print. Uh, since publication in the late 1600s. It was translated into English as early as 1729 and translated into German in 1790. Uh, When it arrived in Germany, it spawned a uh, German play of Little Red Riding Hood by uh, a guy called Ludwig Tieck in uh, 1800. Okay. So that was uh, 12 years before the Grimm's. Yep. Uh, So the Grimm's would have been familiar with the story. They likely would have grown up with the Perrault story. And the same applies to Marie Hassenflug as well, who was also of French descent. I mean, so you say this is obviously a really famous version, the Charles Perrault one, mm. and never really went out of print. Obviously, the Brothers Grimm version with the ending that we know is super popular here and probably yeah. popular around the world. In yeah. France, would they be maybe more familiar with the Perrault one or is, do Brothers Grimm just dominate everything? Well, again, again, I'd like to say I don't know what I'm talking about, <laughs> but I would, I would argue, yeah, that, that probably the French would be most familiar with the Perrault one. Interesting. Yeah. And I think in the English-speaking world, it's probably mostly the Grim one. Yeah, sure. Possibly a mix of the two, because I, as I was saying earlier, like I genuinely didn't know 
how this story was going to end oh, when I so picked cool, it up. Though. And you can see how it can kind of end either way. Yeah. And you don't you don't really get that with like Sleeping Beauty. You know that she's going to wake up. Yeah. Rapunzel, she's going to come down from the yeah. tower. But when I sat down to read Little Red Riding Hood, I was like, I don't actually know how it's going to end. Yeah. And maybe that's a legacy of it does have different endings. But essentially, the Grim Tale is it, ultimately it's a version of the Perot Tale. But they've done the classic, turned down the sex and cranked up the violence. And they've also given it a happy ending as well. Yeah. Which is much better, isn't it? Just classic violence. Yeah. <laughs> also an interesting thing that the Grimm's added as well, I forgot to say, was they have the strict prohibitions from the mother. Don't stray from the path. And Perot's one doesn't say that. She just says, go to Granny's. Yeah. It's the Grimm's that added that one. Right. Which yeah. I think, for me, that's a really crucial element. Yeah. I, like, in my mind, it was. The point is, don't go off the path. And because she goes off the path, that's why she ends up in Yeah, this metaphorical bubble. and literal in the story. Yeah. But that wasn't there in Perot. Yeah, interesting. But I guess it's still the same idea, ultimately. Little yeah. girl, little girls, beware. Be careful, yeah. yeah. So that's the earliest written version that we have but Perrault uh, took his fairy tales from the oral tradition uh, so this must have an oral uh, folktale forebear so to find it we turn to a man called Paul Delarue he did a big study on Red Riding Hood in the oral tradition which is centered around southern France and Italy and the Tyrol region this seems to be where the uh, oral folk story is from Delarue published a version of the folk story that was found and recorded in 1885 in Nivre, in France, uh, which is a good example of how the original oral version of this story went before Perrault got his hands on it. Very different mm -hmm. and absolutely taboo-tastic. Oh. So get your taboo bingo cards out. <laughs> Here we go again. Here we go. This is supposedly how the proper oral folktale of Red Riding Hood goes. I can't wait. It's called The Story of Grandmother. <laughs> the Story of Grandmother. Uh, there once was a woman who had some bread. She told her daughter, take this bread and some milk to Grandmother. The girl headed off to Grandmother's and at a crossroads, she met a werewolf. Not just a wolf. No, a werewolf. He said... What road are you taking? The Needles Road or the Pins Road? She said, the Needles Road. Werewolf said, well, I'll take the Pins Road then. The little girl then had fun picking up some needles. Meanwhile, the werewolf arrived at Grandmother's. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> I'm just doing so, it real quick. What is happening? So the, the, the girl's just like... Picking up needles. Picking up needles. Doing like around. sharps collecting, yeah. <laughs> when the werewolf's got to Granny's, uh, where he promptly killed her, and then he got all dressed up in the nightgown. And then he put a bottle of her blood on the shelf and some of her flesh in the pantry. No. Yeah. What? The girl arrived. Uh, she said, hey, Nan, I've got some milk and hot bread. Werewolf said, oh, put all that in the pantry. And uh, do eat the meat that's there and drink the wine. Oh. The girl sat down. Uh, she's about to eat and drink her grandmother. Oh, no. When a little cat said... <laughs> <laughs> Go on, and a little, and a little cat said, um, 
many apologies for the the foul mouth cat, by the way. A slut is she who eats the flesh and drinks the blood of her granny. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's the translation I had. I didn't want to water it down. I didn't wow. know how to water it down. Cat, what are you doing? Yeah. But, well, stop the, the girl yeah, eating her grandmother. So that's good, at least. Yeah. The werewolf piped up and said, Get undressed, dear, and come and sleep beside me. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. But she said, Well, where should I put my apron? He said, Throw it in the fire, my child. You don't need it anymore. And she then says, Well, what about my dress? My skirt? And all her other clothes. After which, each time she says it, he says... Throw it in the fire, my child. You don't need it anymore. This is weird. It's a striptease. It's a striptease. It's a striptease. <laughs> We've got another striptease this series. <laughs> so many stripteases. We actually recently had to make an apology in our uh, Patreon only podcast. We did. Because a few episodes back, we got very excited uh, about striptease. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're like, whoa, a striptease in a fairy tale. Whoa. Turned out we've that was our second striptease. Yep. And now this is our third striptease. Third striptease. Well. In Little Red Riding Hood. Never would have thought it. Well, she's stripped off and then she hops into bed and you get the classic rapport. Oh, grandmother, how hairy you are. All the better to... Keep me warm, dear. Oh, okay. And then it crescendos up to... Oh, grandmother, what big mouth you have. All the better to eat you with, my child. But then it continues. She quickly chimes in with... Oh, grandmother, I just need to go outside and relieve myself. And the werewolf said, just do it in the bed. Uh, <laughs> Adam is in trouble. Adam's no. in trouble. Okay, so she said, I need to go to the loo. He said, just do just it in, do the, it bed. in the bed. Uh, the girl insisted, no, nanny, I need to go outside. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> the werewolf said, the werewolf said, okay then, but don't be too long. So he tied a rope around her foot and let her go out. <laughs> Once I was like, this is so familiar to me. I've read it so many times, yeah, but not to share to it fresh. So once outside, she slipped her foot out of the noose and tied it to a tree and trotted off back home. Uh, back inside. Naked. The, <laughs> back inside, the werewolf started uh, getting impatient. And he said, are you making cables out there? <laughs> <laughs> and when he didn't hear a response, he poked his head out and he saw that she'd gone. And he's furious and he, he chased after her. But just as he caught up with her, she got safely back inside her house. The end. So that is believed to be how the oral folktale version of Little Red Riding Hood went before Perot and the Grimms got to it and published their versions. Adam is disturbed. I'm really, are you not disturbed? That's disturbing. I'm numb to it now. <laughs> So, yeah. Enjoy that? That's just too... I'd know. Um, that's all kinds of wrong. There's a lot of taboos in there. A lot. She's about to eat her own grandmother. Yep. Foul-mouthed cat. Yep. Striptease. Striptease getting in bed with uh, with grandma. Um, being asked to um, go to the toilet in bed with grandma. <laughs> um, <laughs> what... Please, you say more. <laughs> I mean, getting asked to go to the toilet in bed with... I can't believe I made you say that. Uh, Are you making cables out there? 
That's quite something, isn't it? It really is. I mean, right now, we've got dozens of listeners shouting, bingo, 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 <laughs> because that is, that's got everything, hasn't it? That's awful. That's got it all. Oh, wow. Well, what are people thinking, telling each other that? <laughs> no, I don't actually know how, like, illustrative that is, or, you know, how um, faithful other oral versions are to that version. Yeah. But the impression I get is that is presented as the, the typical one. Yeah. So I guess they're similar. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, I mean, some other big differences. Originally, it seems he was a werewolf. Yeah. I... I Forgot that <laughs> with yeah. all the other stuff that happens. What? Okay. Stupid question. What is a werewolf? Isn't a werewolf just a human being that turns into a wolf? Yeah. Okay. Well, so, so what, the, so what relevance does that have to the story? Because once they're a wolf, they're just a wolf, right? Yeah. Well, that actually made me think that maybe the suggestion is that it's like it's a guy. Who's a werewolf, right, but in, in human form, which yeah, is really so. creepy. That is really creepy. Um, oh, no. And then you think about <laughs> everything that happens in the story. Recently, we had uh, our history of uh, witches, uh, yeah. witch persecutions and witch trials. We had that in Frau Trude. Um, one thing I neglected to mention there is that uh, lycanthropy, werewolfism, was yeah. also a crime, like witchcraft. Right. When people genuinely believed that uh, werewolves roamed about. So, you know, as well as wolves being genuinely dangerous, there was also this sort of fear within the community of potential werewolves. Yeah. Uh, sort of diabolic werewolves. Apparently, wherever oral versions of this tale were collected in France and Italy, it was largely in regions where werewolf trials were most common in the 16th and 17th right. centuries. So that would be a popular sort of bogeyman for a story. Yeah. yeah so that might be what's going on here. Okay. We've also got no uh, red anywhere, not even a hint of colourful headwear. True. What did? Oh, she did. We don't know just anything a, about what her fashion sense was. Just a girl. Just, just a, a little girl. girl. Then we got the path uh, of pins and needles as well. Yeah, what's that all about? We'll get to that later. Okay. And then I think perhaps crucially, she escapes all on her own, and she's not eaten up. Yeah. And there's no huntsman coming to the rescue. Yeah. Quite empowering if it wasn't for all that insane <laughs> stuff that happened before. Wow. Just wow. You've never told me a story quite like that one. <laughs> I'm just in shock. Yeah. It's so wrong. We've and we've had wrong on the oh, podcast. Oh, yeah, we definitely have. This is up this is up there probably. Definitely uh, up there. Top in the top three. Oh, easily. Top three wrongs. Yeah. So the idea is that uh what seems to have happened is that this oral Red Riding Hood story, which circulated in France and Italy, it was taken and stripped down, pardon the pun, and sanitized by uh, Charles Perrault. So all the cannibalism stripping off the toilet stuff, anything untoward was removed because it was a bit much for the like French royal court. The stripping off was still there. Yes, you're right. Sorry. But I guess not quite as severe as it is here. No. Nah. Um, Striptease Yeah, sure uh, And it got turned into a very different story So as you said, this one's kind of empowering In, in a certain light mm. uh, Whereas after Perot, It became this moralising, didactic story 
scaring children and girls yeah. into behaving in a proper manner. And the Grimms then took that even further by adding the don't stray from the path right. part, essentially making the little girl's fault that she is then persecuted by the evil wolf. Yeah, right. So rather than being advice as to how to stay safe, it's even brought back to the level of just like, do what mum and dad tell you. Absolutely. Yeah. And then kind of amazingly, because Perrault's fairy tales were so famous, apparently it re-entered the oral tradition in Perrault's form. And then the Grimm's got their version, their oral version looks more like Perrault's one than this one. Yeah, yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. That's what I've read. Yeah. Kind of mad. Crazy. Absolutely bananas. So from uh, that perspective, uh, it seems that Little Red Riding Hood uh, was a French or European folktale that was like re-engineered by these uh, literary men. But Adam, Little Red Riding Hood gets even bigger than that. Because in a certain light, as already discussed, it bears an uncanny resemblance to another fairy tale. One we've read before. The Wolf and the Seven Little Kids. The Wolf and the Seven Little Kids. Yeah. And we proudly said when we did that story, this is the first uh, example on the podcast of the big bad wolf. And one of the only. Yeah. And we've now just had the most famous, surely, example of that. And you can see how they're similar, right? Uh, Totally. So the wolf and the seven little kids, there's a goat with her kids and the mum goes out and leaves them alone and the wolf comes around and he makes several attempts to get inside pretending he's their mother yeah says i'm your mother so essentially in one story the wolf goes to the house of his prey the seven little kids yeah. and the other story the prey comes to him yeah in little red riding hood and in both cases he's disguising himself as the parental figure and in the grim one at least as discussed, it ends with the stones in the belly. Yeah. Exactly the same. It's the same, yeah. So some people think that they are related stories and that they're even essentially the same story. But that is very much up for debate. Yeah. If we accept that they are cognate, that they're closely related, or even the same story, then Little Red Riding Hood all of a sudden becomes an international story. Because in the rest of the world, we find similar stories. Uh, in Africa, the Middle East, and especially in East Asia, in China, Japan, and Korea. And so much so that it's even been speculated that uh, Little Red Riding Hood, The Wolf and the Seven Little Kids, came to Europe from Asia. Interesting. It's all a bit messy. I've decided to uh, spare you reading you an East Asian version as well. Okay. (laughs) So we're not here all night. Uh, But fortunately, Adam, some people have been looking into this. Because if you remember from our recent interview episode yes it turns out that uh, you can apply modern scientific methods to accurately verify the ancestry of fairy tales via genetics you mean indeed i do Hmm. our recent uh interview with dr jamie tarani which was what about three or four episodes ago did you say yeah 
he said in that episode in the interview that uh, his first sort of look into phylogenetics was tracing the history of Red Riding Hood and the Wolf and the Seven Little Kids. Nice. Which at the time we didn't know anything about. No. <laughs> Can you explain what the phylogenetics was quickly? It's a, uh, a form of sort of data analysis that's used in a biological context, which can be used to map evolutionary hierarchy. But you can apply that to, to fairy tales to pick up different strands and actually map them onto a sort of family tree to trace them back to potentially an origin and see which ones are related, mm-hmm. uh, where particular stories and, and tropes came from. It's quite a bad definition, but... No, I think Something that's like it. That. Essentially, it's uh, borrowing uh, techniques used in evolutionary biology, yeah. And yeah. you're applying it to fairy tales to just yeah. find where they come from without recourse to looking at the literary history, the written word, yeah. in a way. It's quite complicated, but it was explained in the, the interview episode. It was. So I got, I got in touch uh, with uh, Dr. Tarani again. And again. I, I said, well, you know, what did you find then on Little Red Riding Hoods and The Wolf and the Seven Kids? And he responded, hi, Matt. My analysis suggested a Western origin for both tales, Red Riding Hood and The Wolf and the Seven Little Kids, and confirms that they are distinct traditions rather than variants of the same story. Okay. The weight of evidence suggests that the East Asian tales evolved by blending together The Wolf and the Seven Kids with Little Red Riding Hood and together with local motifs, though the possibility of an independent origin can't be ruled out. So... Interesting. It's almost the reverse of what you were suggesting it might be the case. Yeah. So rather than there being an East Asian story which has uh, developed differently in different areas into two distinct stories, yeah, it's actually gone the other way around. Two stories have been sort of amalgamated yep. into the oral tradition of somewhere in East Asia. Absolutely. Amazing. And mixed with local motifs. Yeah. I was going to tell you one, but I kind of scrubbed out my notes for the word count. <laughs> Maybe in our uh, Grim Fables, I can tell you the uh, an East Asian one. Yes, Because it is pretty that good. sounds fantastic. Uh, and he also, his findings also suggested that versions from Africa are more closely related to the wolf and the seven little kids than Little Red Riding Hood. Okay. Uh, but essentially, uh, it seems from... Uh, Dr. Tarani's analysis that these are two stories here. They originated in Europe and spread out from there. Wow. Uh, So that's kind of the story of the story. And uh, all this jumble found its way into Charles Perrault's lap. And perhaps his genius was that he may have invented the red hood. The red cap, I should say. Yeah. Just like with uh, Puss in Boots, he invented the boots for the cat. Genius. Stroke a genius. Although that is uh, also strongly debated in certain quarters. We really must tread carefully tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, as far as I'm aware, he probably invented the red hood. Iconic. I mean, yeah, that is iconic. Really is. You can't imagine it without it. Oh yeah, totally. time 
for the scores. Now, this is the point in the podcast where we rate uh, the story we've just heard out of 10 each for a maximum possible of 20, uh, based kind of on how we feel in the moment. And what do I think about the story? What are you thinking, Adam? I loved it. You loved it. You said it earlier. Yeah. It's it's a it's a good one. It's a really good one. And it's it's a unique one. It's iconic, isn't it? It's iconic. That's the word for it, yeah. And it was really satisfying to see how many how many iconic elements that I know and love were in the original story. That's mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. Hasn't always been the case. Um, so that's cool. And, and often it's hard to score the, the famous stories because you've got a lot of uh, expectation. Definitely. A lot of baggage there. <laughs> so it's nice that, yeah, you, you enjoyed I it. I still really enjoyed it. And I did know a lot of the plot points beforehand. Hmm. I hadn't quite remembered The Huntsman, but as you got to it, I, it, it triggered the memory. The whole second act was a pleasant surprise. Sausage water. Didn't expect that. <laughs> <laughs> the old sausage water pail. There's a few points there. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of points for sausage water. And I think there's been a lot to unpack, hasn't there? It's been a very yeah. interesting episode. As there often is just too much to talk about. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, this this was the short version yeah, of yeah. the history of Red Riding Hood. Yeah. <laughs> I could tell you were trying to <laughs> trying to hold it back, rein it in as much as possible. I mean, there's so much. Obviously, it's one of the you know one of the most researched ones there is. Yeah. Uh, but it is quite interesting how there are all these different versions of it and in different shapes and you know in some ways it's like what is Little Red Riding Hood? What mm. is this? you know the Grimms don't even seem to be able to make up their mind. They've got two endings to the story. Yeah. At the set, but it's brilliant. It really is brilliant, uh, and in many ways, I think the story it, it's kind of quite simple, but also yes. dense at the same time, yeah. which is quite a a clever trick to pull off, and it does it well. Oh, it really does. Mm-hmm. It's got some kind of insane stuff that happens in the story, but it does so without being zany and wacky, and it's not meandering like you say. It is really quite a simple story. But it just manages to walk this line of, of being sort of interesting and weird mm-hmm. without being over the top at any point. I say without being over the top. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two people eaten by wolf and then cut out again. Talked yourself into a hole there. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but if I'm going to give it a score. Oh, okay. He's going for it. It's not going to be a low one. Mm. I... Hmm. What am I going to give it? I'm going to give it a nine. Wow. That's high, isn't it? It's a massive score. Yeah. Wow, a nine. That's yeah. a big score. It is a big score. I was toying with slightly lower. Okay. Maybe an eight or an 8.5. Okay. But then I just thought, okay, if I have to make a decision now, go with your gut. How do I feel about the story mm. right now? And I loved it. I just loved it. That's great. Okay. So you weren't thinking, oh, maybe a 10 or a 9. You were thinking like an 8 or a 9. Uh, yeah, Okay. exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, that's great because, I, you know, I was worried that it wouldn't uh, jump off the page when yeah. we came to read it. Because, as you say, there's so much around it. Yeah. It's so, like, interwoven into our cultural fabric. Yeah. That to go back to the Grimm story, it exactly. might be a bit like, oh, okay. And it could have been, but yeah. it wasn't. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. What do you think, score-wise? Oh. I'm thinking similar. Okay. I 
agree with everything you said. Um, it's just brilliant. Yeah. In particular, the whole what big ears you have yeah. formula is genius. Yeah. Oh, it is. And, and that's been there since the very beginning, as we've seen. And it's absolutely a perfect device for telling others, for saying it out loud, for performing. Right. The classic thing is building up to, all oh, the better to eat you with. Yeah. And you kind of shout that line. You like have fun with it. Yeah. If it's a parent with a kid, you might like grab the kid yeah. or whatever. And it's kind of part of it. It kind of jumps off of the page. Yeah, that's so true. So I think that's so clever. And I don't think we've really seen anything like that before. No. You've also got that genius flourish of the Red Hood with yeah. Perot or wherever it might come from. Probably Perot. Yeah. As you say, it's it's iconic, and it's like the it's the cake house of Hansel and Gretel, yeah, or the boots of Puss. It's that little detail, that little splash of colour, yeah. Like literally, in this case, you know, yeah. it's just it's what elevates it, yeah, to a new heights. I feel like I'm like reviewing a cooking show. Or something. <laughs> um. No, you're absolutely right, and I don't know if this is controversial, but out the diff- three different garments we mentioned. It's the riding hood that just, it's just got that look, doesn't it? Yeah, and that's the thing. And because these stories, this is oral folklore, this is fairy tales, they can evolve. So it comes over to England, it gets illustrated like that. Those illustrations work really well. Yeah. So then that's how it, that spreads. Yeah. They're elastic. Yeah. If it works, it works. Like, it gets passed on. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, it's better than like a sort of turban or a tiny little cap. Yeah, definitely. The right riding head. The riding head. Oh, it's fantastic. Well, so I was thinking a nine okay. or a nine point five. I wasn't going to go as high as ten. No. I think a nine is perfect score for the yeah. riding heads. I'm going to go nine. Fantastic. Wow. All in agreement here. That is an eighteen out of twenty. A massive score. Massive score. To end the series with. It certainly is. Wow. We, we went out on a high, didn't oh. we? It's almost as if we know what we're doing, it. but not quite. <laughs> we almost, so, so close. So close. 18. 18. That's amazing. Because, I mean, there's not been many big old, big scorers this series. I don't, I don't know if... No, well... I should say that. <laughs> no, uh, well, I think it's fair. I think yeah, uh, yeah. my approach to scoring has changed slightly. Uh, yeah. This series, um, which has probably contributed to that. I've been more prepared to score lower. Well, we're going to learn more about that, Adam, mm. shortly in our next episode. Hold on. What? So this was our last story of uh, series four. What an absolute blast. Thanks for joining us. But we've got still one more episode to go before the end of the series. Yes. Our leaderboard score roundup review episode. Hey. <laughs> We'll reveal the winners and losers of the series and we'll read some listener messages and there should be a few other bits and bobs in there as well. So that'll be out in a few weeks to uh, round off series four with. So it's not quite over, not, is what you're saying. Not, we're not quite ready to uh, saddle up our, our steeds and head out of Grimcastle for our summer break just yet. Not, not quite yet. Well, I look forward to that then. Oh, one final thing eagle-eared listeners might remember that a few episodes ago I promised you a uh, a cross-dressing Thor story from Norse mythology and I promised that in our Little Red Riding Hood episode mm. didn't have time to fit that in 
Matt. We will be doing that in Grim Fables. Disgraceful. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody just calm down. <laughs> no, uh, okay. So we get it in Grim Fables. Well, I mean, I've got my notes here. I can tell you a, a whole other story now if you want. Let's save it for we... Grim Fables. Okie dokie. Well, I will see you soon. Yeah. For our next and final episode of the series. I can't wait. Until then, keep it grim. Keep it grim, everyone. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to support the podcast, please head over to patreon.com slash grimreading to find out how, and also see the range of benefits available as a thank you from us. You can, of course, email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at grimreadingpod, and we're also on Instagram and Facebook at grimreading. You can find us on Podbean, podbean.com slash grimreading, and we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grand.